Can you just join me right now in joining and uh, welcoming the spiritual head over this Canada, this organization, but also the church? They're spiritual parents to both Karen and I, but I know they're also both spiritual and literal parents to Pastors Brian and Sherry. So uh, please give Pastor Rick a, just a great warm welcome. Am I on? There it is. There it is. Well, good morning, I-9. Great to be here, and good to hear that uh, Pastors Brian and Sherry and Pastor Michael Quinlan and a whole team from here are actually across the ocean over there in Africa right now. Um, I, I believe it's their first missions trip, so I'm quite excited about what God is doing in the, their lives and going out into the world. I believe that everybody needs to go on a mission trip, and I believe it'll change your life and encourage your life. Um, if you look at this here right now, guess where that is? Kathy and I have been over in Nepal. We've been over in India. We've been in uh, Sao Paulo. We've been in Rio. We've been in everywhere. Okay, the last. And revival is breaking out in northern India. Okay, that's what it looks like in one of the places that uh, is going on over there with David Perkassum. Uh, literally hundreds of thousands of Punjabs are coming to Christ right now in northern India. Okay, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it's just amazing how many people are getting saved in northern India right now. But what people aren't aware of is there's also a lot of blood that's being shed. There's a lot of people that are dying for their faith, pastors and leaders that are dying for their faith over in that area. But every time they kill one, it just spreads and spreads and spreads. Come on. And I'm going into, I'm leading into that because this is what is happening in our world right now, wherever you see unrest, wherever you see troubles uh, that are hot spots in the world, usually there's an eruption of the gospel that is taking place within that nation. How many want to know where the greatest revival in history right now is taking place? How many want to know? Iran. Iran. More people are coming to Christ. I just read an article the other day about how many individuals are coming to Christ. It's unparalleled and unprecedented what the Holy Spirit is doing in this day and hour. Can you all say amen? amen. And so we're going to be talking today. Pastors Brian and Sherry uh, did a great job last week on introducing this whole subject of end times. It's very, very balanced. We've had a lot of time. We spent hours together sharing on this here and um, going over details so that people could have an understanding of where we're at and what is going on in our world right now. I want to quote, I want to just start off with something before I even get going. And I have about five different messages. Uh, forgive me because I've been, just got in last night late. We got in, Pastor Brian picked us up around 11 o'clock over in Detroit. Time we got home and the bed was probably around 1 o'clock. But it's all good. Can you say amen? But I want to just share the introduction before I teach on this. And I appreciate him moving the service very quick so I have as much time as possible. We're living in a day that 94% of believers do not have a biblical worldview today. Okay? And this covers every area of what it is. We have a Jesus today that we fit into our theology. We fit into our understanding that is not necessarily a biblical Jesus, okay? 
when, when Roe versus Wade was turned around, I was totally shocked to see how many Christians in name, okay, are fighting for the right to kill babies. Fighting for the right. For, Christians, I'm not talking unbelievers. You expect it from the world. Because they don't have a biblical worldview, okay? And I say that we just got, Kathy and I, the statistics on that the, uh, just the other day. 94%. So there's things that are inside of us that Satan has brought that is leaven that's inside, that affects our whole eschatology, that affects our whole understanding of the ways of God and the purposes of God. So I am going to really cover this in great detail this morning. I choose not to be dogmatic with people. I choose not to be argumentative or divisive in any way. But what I want you to do, I desire to bring from an intense and diligent study of the Word of God for 48 years to uphold scriptural laws of interpretation. I'm totally shocked today how we could actually take a verse of scripture out of its context and out of its setting and preach a whole message on it. I'm totally shocked. For example, how many have ever heard this one? But the people that know thy God shall be strong and do exploits. Anybody ever hear that one? Nobody here has ever heard that. Okay, if you had. Okay, you take that in Daniel and you'll see the context of that. The Antichrist is actually on the scene when that was spoken out there. But the people that know thy God shall be strong and do exploit. So we take scriptures. We, we have the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58 about the sound of the last trumpet. And, and, but we, we, we forget that there's 56 verses prior to that. And we don't even talk about the 56 verses prior to that. So when we go into this, we're going to be covering a lot of scripture. Everybody stand up and say, everybody stand up and say, get ready. Put your seatbelt on. All I want to ask all those that are watching by live stream and all that are here today is that you would be teachable. Okay. The Jews did not recognize the Lord Jesus Christ's first coming. Especially, listen carefully, the scribes who were the official interpreters of the Old Testament. And, and they had, over a time frame, developed an understanding and ideas concerning the messianic coming of the Lord. And when the Messiah came on the scene, they had ended up persecuting him because they had a different idea. There was over 300 prophetic words in the Old Testament that showed the first coming of the Lord God. Come on. And there's 318 in the second. Okay, go ahead and be seated. 318. So God does not want us to be ignorant in this year. He does not want us to be uninformed. And above all, and I'll cover this in a minute, he does not want us to be deceived. Okay? So listen carefully. We're going to be covering in a moment now 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, but I want to give you a little background before I even go into 1 Thessalonians 4, because how many know there's three chapters that come before 4? Isn't that a deep revelation? You say, well, I came here to hear on end times. Well, I'm, I'm so happy. But why was the epistle of 1 Thessalonians written? What was the reasoning behind it? Why did the apostle Paul 
uh, uh, inscribed this here book by the person of the Holy Spirit? Well, it, it's very, very simple. There's four major reasons. And if you don't understand these four reasons why this epistle was written, then confusion can come and, and, and lack of clarity. Number one, he came to correct mistaken views of the second coming. They had mistaken views then, just like there's mistaken views today. But he's, he wrote the epistle to correct mistaken views of the second coming. Number two was to establish the doctrine of the second coming. That's why he wrote this here, to tell you the events that would surround this here aspect. Number three was to comfort believers who were newly saved and had lost loved ones. This is the reason, if you don't understand the reason why an epistle was written. See, see, there's books such as 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, 1 Peter chapter 5, Acts chapter 20, that are pastoral, five-fold ministry uh, epistles that are spoken to me. And I understand their purpose is to equip me. Their purpose is to correct. Their purpose is to instruct. Their purpose is to enable us to do every good work for God that he's called us to. Can you say amen? In the same respect, this is why this epistle was written, okay? So again, number three, comfort believers who were newly saved. And we're going to start there in just a moment. And then number four is in life, in light of the coming, an exhortation to believers to display faith, hope, and love as an incentive to holiness prior to the coming of the Lord. That's why I started off with 94% of people uh, don't have a biblical worldview, where they think you can, you can just live together, cohabit together, fool around, do this, do that, and, and have all kinds of views on sexuality and everything else. Come on. And why people are not speaking out against abortion, speaking out against areas today. And if you do, you're a bigot, you're an extremist, you're this, you're that. Well, listen, welcome to the sufferings of the Christ today. Can you say amen? Okay, so now as we got a little background of that, I'm going to give you just three verses, okay? Prior to chapter 4 that has reference to the coming. If you want to write them down, feel free. 1 Thessalonians 1.9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his son. From, everybody say, wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us, come on, from the wrath to come, future. Now, let me just state this right offset. Judgment and wrath are not the same thing. The Bible says as a believer, we're to judge ourselves. Can you say amen? And, and, and the Bible said many are sick, many are weak, and many are dying prematurely because they're not taking care. They're not judging themselves. They're judging everyone else. And so we have to understand judgment and wrath are not. And when he speaks about the wrath to come, it's the eternal separation from God. And how many don't want to be there? Come on now. How many of we want to be connected to God, okay? So then it says in 1 Thessalonians 2, and I'm just going in this here to, be, to give a, a background. Verse chapter 2, 19. For what is our hope? What is our joy? To the Thessalonian saints, to the church today. Or what is our crown of rejoicing? Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? The word coming literally is the word parousia. Everybody say parousia. 
And, and if you have a chain reference, I highly recommend go through all the scriptures where it says Perusha. I've done a, a, a tape on that on YouTube on Perusha, so you can see that there. But the word Perusha, just so you know, it means the future visible return from heaven of Jesus to raise the dead, hold the last judgment, and set up formally and gloriously the kingdom of God. And everybody said amen. Okay, so that word perusia runs through over in Matthew 24 and 25. It runs through in Luke 21. It runs through in Mark 13. And you're going to see that. So we're going to start in a moment over in 1 Thessalonians 4. But there's one more verse I want to give you to precede verse uh, chapter 4. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards another and towards all men, even as we towards you. To the end, the purpose, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming or the parousia of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Everybody say amen. So now you have an understanding. All the saints are going to be, come on now, and the, at the coming. So anyway, so let's go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if we can, chapter 4, and we're going to start the message here today. When I talked to Pastor Brian about this, this is where we, he had wanted me to pick up at this here point here. Okay? Verse number 12 of 1 Thessalonians 4. It said that you may walk honestly towards them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. But then he says in verse 13, now I'm reading right here out of the King James right now, the New King James. But I would not have you to be, what's the next word? Come on. I don't want you to be ignorant. Okay, what in my, in my 48 years of studying the scriptures, I have found this out, and it's to my amazement that every place, not one place, every place in the scripture where there is a warning of ignorance is where the greatest ignorance in the church world lies today. I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts, okay? In other words, God wants every one of us to be operating in spiritual gifts. Come on, the nine gifts of the Spirit, the power gifts, the revelation gifts, the spoken gifts. They're all there in the Scripture. He doesn't want us just to know them. He wants them to be a part of our lives so that we can activate and demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit today. Okay, so he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. So ignorant means uninformed, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. I don't want you to be unaware of this. I don't want you lacking any knowledge, any understanding of this. Are you getting the picture that I'm trying to bring out? So when it says ignorant, he says, don't be unlearned. I want you to have knowledge of this. I want you to have understanding of this so that you can apply it in your everyday life. Are we doing okay? So here it is over here, that you may walk honestly towards them that are without and that you would have uh, lack of nothing. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are, what's it say now, asleep. Are you there? Now this is what you need to understand. Asleep to a believer, okay, to a believer is one that had died. Are you there? The pre you can actually, every new tra translation we have, you can look at the Amplified, you can look at the New Living, you can look at the ESV, you can look at the Passion Bible. They all speak about died, okay? So he doesn't want you to be ignorant about believers who have died. 
This was a culture, this was a society in the day that believed like many today that have been seduced by the leaven of the Sadducee. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in demons. Come on. And so 40% of the entire Christian world doesn't even believe that the devil is a real person. They don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a real person. And total ignorance of that. And another 19% somewhat agree with that statement. So that is ignorance in that area. And that's why I, I bring, and, and the stats that I'm bringing are not Rick stats. You can study them out from Rayner. You can study them out, the Christian researchologist. So he brings this here out in chapter 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. So this is believers who have died. Everybody look at someone and say believers who have died. Okay, and then he says that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So why is it that he says over there to these here new covenant believers that had just recently got saved from the planting of the church, living in a society that didn't believe life after death, and people would carry on for weeks and months afterwards, even some in years, over loved ones that had died. So Paul says, listen, listen. It's not that we're not going to miss them. It's not that we're not going to have our days. Okay, I still miss my dad, and he's been dead almost 11 years. But I know that I'm going to see him again. And that's what I focus on. That's what that is the hope that I have on the inside. So this is a writing to the church that didn't believe, listen very carefully, prior to Paul's teaching about life after death. Are we all there? So I know I'm emphasizing this, but this is huge. So he says over there, for if we believe, is there anybody here that believes that Jesus died? Is there anybody here that believes he rose again? Even so, listen carefully, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Are you there? So let me just ask you a simple question to the not the most educated man. A simple question to all of us today. Does the Bible teach that when Jesus Christ comes back to the planet that he's going to bring the saints with him? What is the prerequisite for the saints he's bringing with him? That they had to die. Such a deep revelation. And he said, I don't want you to be ignorant about that. Boy, it went over so well. We get these pictures today that we're all going to be caught up out of here and blown out of here. And we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right? We're going to have this big table with God. The only, the only problem is who's going to be at the table and how big is that table going to be? Okay, and his reward is with him. It says when he peruses, comes, his reward will be with him. I'm trying just to be as nice as I know how, but I want to stay within the confines. Does it say that when he comes, not to be ignorant? Does it say that the believers that have died are the ones he's going to have with him? Okay, so now you have an understanding of foundational stuff. I know when I share this with pastors and share this in, 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 in conferences with their blessing before I share it, because I don't want to just rock their world out there, but when I share that, they say, I never saw that before. Well, praise God, okay? So here's what Paul says now. This next verse is so important. 
For this we say unto you, Thessalonians, and to you and I, the Christians today, right? This we say unto you, by who? By the word of by the word of the Lord. So let me ask you a question. If this is Paul's teaching now, he's telling us, understand when Paul had an experience with God, he got knocked off his horse. He went to Saudi Arabia, the backside of the desert, and was there for over three years. And the Holy Spirit downloaded things, and the revelation of Jesus was there. As a matter of fact, in that backside of the desert, the scriptures tell us that's where he had communion, and that's where he spoke about the Lord's body, and that's where he spoke about the Lord appeared. Can you say amen? And the Holy Spirit began to download him what happened at the Last Supper over there. And, and, and what does he say over there? As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. People want to live in resurrection life, but they don't want the process of death first. Okay, so understand now. So the writer brings this here out. He said, this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. So important that you get that right now. Let me ask a question right now. Was John a disciple of Jesus? Was he one of the 12? Come on. Was Matthew a disciple? Okay, you're sure about that? I am. Okay, so if we're going to go listen to Luke, and we're going to go to Mark, and we're going to go to Matthew, and we're going to go to John, and we're going to go over to Revelation, who wrote the book of Revelation? The apostle John. Can you say amen? And so if we have this understanding down, this isn't just Paul's revelation. This is something the Lord spoke to him. He said, I received this by the Lord. So the teaching of, the, listen, the teaching of Paul is not going to be contrary to the teaching of Jesus. Because he got the teaching from Jesus himself. Very important that you get that there because he received this by the word of the Lord, okay? That we which are alive, everybody say alive. So apparently when the Son of God comes back, there's going to be believers that will be alive, right? And it says, and what else? Remain. Now I don't have time to develop all this, but the word remain speaks about surviving through difficult challenges, I didn't write the scripture. This is what it speaks of. So there's going to be difficult challenges. How many know to our Ukrainian believers today that are over there, how many know this last year has been hell on earth for those families? And many never going to have their husbands back again. Many left with the, the clothes on their back, a suitcase with their kids. And it's heart-wrenching. But it's not just over there. It's happening in nations all around the world. I prophetically spoke over a young man. Over in India, two, over two years ago. And it wasn't a, God's going to give you a new car. God's going to bless you with a new house. God is going to get this here. We've got a warped sense of Christianity in this world. Does God want to bless us? Yes. Does God want to prosper us? Yes. But with the kingdom purpose to get the gospel of Jesus to the whole world first and foremost. Because it's not what we can get out of this world it's what we can impact in this world with the gospel of Jesus. And that gospel's never been popular. But we in North America have listened to, to, to I'll be nice, pillow prophets for too long. And so this man comes and I'm in there and they ask me to lay hands on all the leaders. And so I'm praying over them. And I'm getting words. Prepare for martyrdom. Prepare to lay down your life. 
And they fall to the knees, God, make me worthy, God, make me worthy. And I already got reports, one of them that I know for sure, I believe it's two, have already been martyred. And those are the areas that's breaking out in, come on now. Because the presence of God and the move of God is going out there. So the writer tells us this here, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, come on, and remain unto the what? The parousia of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. What's going to happen? If we understand the doctrine of resurrections, then we can understand the principles here. How many, know, how many know the dead are going to get a glorified body? Come on now. When you die, how many know your spirit and soul is intact? And it go, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But how many know God's going to even raise up the ashes? God's going to raise up from the dust. He's going to raise up a glorified body for all. Okay? And then look at that. That gives me hope, okay? And then it says here, and it says in verse number 16, For the Lord himself shall what? Descend from heaven with what? A shout. Just write that down. And with the voice of the, come on, archangel. And with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then there's 3,978 thens. And it's an action that actually means immediately afterwards are just proceeding. So whenever you see the word then in there, follow what was said prior to that. And then you have the understanding. So then when this happens, the dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Come on, church. To meet the Lord. We're at in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Why does he say comfort one another with these words? Because the context was, what about loved ones that died? You're going to see them again. Thessalonians, Colossians, you're going to see them again. That gives them hope. That gives them encouragement through that. Loved ones that you know and loved ones that I know. Man, at the sound of the last trump, the message Bible said, then there will be one huge family reunion. I'm excited about that day. But many ministers stop right there. And look at the very next verse over here. But, everybody say but. But is a conjunctive verb that adds the two sentences together. We saw the then, and now we see now but. But of the times, I'm reading this out of the KJ, because I did a, a verse by verse word study on every word in here, every noun, every pronoun, every verb, adjective in, in here. But of the times and the seasons, come on. So now the context is the coming. He's speaking now of the times that this is going to happen, of the seasons it's going to happen. Right now, we're having weird weather patterns right now. Okay, and it's not just, I mean, California, I lived out in Southern Cal for a while when I went to solar energy school, and, and Los Angeles yesterday had a blizzard. They don't, they don't get snow, come on now. 
but they have a blizzard that's going on out there. And, and, and all the drought that they've been experiencing out there, I believe is now the reservoirs are being filled up. Why? Because I believe that's pure church world today of reviving his church again. And he's raining down the floodgates of heaven over the men and women of God who have been dry, who have been barren, who have been critical, who have been murmuring, have been complaining. And the Holy Ghost is going to pour out his grace upon you, pour out his spirit upon you so we can be equipped to finish the last days for God in glory, not in shame or humiliation. Everybody said amen. Okay, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, he's writing to the church. You have no need that I write it. Why does he say, you don't have no need that I write it? Because they were already learned about this. They were already informed about this. They were already taught by the apostle Paul about it. He said, you don't even have any need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly, everybody say perfectly, speaks of complete knowledge, okay, that Lord, come on church, so cometh as a thief in the night. Is that what it says? Everybody stand up for a moment. Had the sleeping believers, God brings with him the events. You got that? Okay, go ahead and be seated. For yourselves know perfectly that the night, the day of the Lord, you can read that. In the Bible, there are seven, if we want, can you say amen? And those seals are open, come on, and then there's seven trumpet judgments, and then there's seven bowl judgments. Are you all there? Three sets of seven that go all the way through. But this, what I'm teaching you now, I'm going to take you over to Revelation 6, and you're going to see what Paul wrote is the same thing that Matthew wrote. It's the same thing that Mark wrote. It's the same thing that Luke wrote. And it's the same thing that John wrote. Wow, I wonder why. Because they were all taught by the same teacher, the Son of God. Good preaching. Thanks for your shouts. Okay. So he says over there, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Okay. Now notice he didn't say the Lord comes as a thief in the night. He said the day of the Lord cometh as a thief. Is that what it says? So when you watch all those there movies about tribulation and all that, just remember what Pastor Rick said today, okay? All right. For, for when they shall say, what are they going to say? Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail. Interesting, these words, okay? As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Is that not right? So when a woman goes into... How many know when she starts that labor, you know the contractions get stronger and stronger as it gets closer to the delivery time? So understand this here. This is a Jewish book. It's written by Jewish leader. Peace and scene uh, with, with Donald Trump, whatever your opinion is of him is not. But here's the point that I want out, okay? They entered into it called the Abrahamic Covenant. Last week about that there. And, 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 and so what is it all about? It's all about peace. It's all about safety. It's about peace and protection. And if we have all these words in the Middle East about peace, this is the beginning of it, I believe without question. When Quachar enters into it, and many of the Islamic nations, they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But then he says something over here. What's the context? The day of the Lord, right or wrong? 
But you, brethren, in darkness. Come on. The implication if you are in darkness and if holiness before I even read uh, the verse about sleeping in Jesus. Okay? But he says, but you, the judgments that took place. You're not that that day should overtake you as a thief. Are you there? So there's apparently 40 some years ago. Anyway, and it was saying the same thing, bring it deeper and then deeper and then deeper. And that's how I ended up where I'm at today. Are you there? So apparently, if you're not living for Jesus, you're not living right, that day is going to overtake you as a thief in the night. Good preaching. Did you get a hold of that? Okay. And then, so then he says, you are speaking to the Thessalonians and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now look at why. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation, deliverance, freedom, by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you also do. Can you all say amen? So God, listen, wrath, the wrath. Remember John the Baptist said about the wrath to come. He sent me to warn you about the wrath to come. How many know that was the eternal separation from God? Okay, why do we just tie this here in when the children of Israel were in the land of Egypt and the judgments fell all over the place? I mean, it was darkness. It was so thick you can, you can actually feel the darkness. But it said in Goshen there was light. In the same respect, let your faith arise. When all their cattle was wiped out, their cattle now in Goshen became priceless. They wanted what they had because they didn't die. When the flies came in so thick, herds of flies, none came into Goshen. When the firstborn of Egypt died, all the firstborn in the land of Israel were all saved. Can you say amen? You need to read those stories. They need to build your faith and encourage your faith that when judgments are falling and things are hitting, God has a plan in the midst of it for his gospel to be preached into all the world. Amen. Now, I don't have time. Listen carefully. But I'm going to give you references. So if you're writing these down, this parallels everything I just wrote to you parallels directly with Revelation 6. And it parallels directly with Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Even Luke 17 has stories on that there too. And Mark 13. You're going to have to read them. I don't have time to give you everyone. But I want to give you right now, there's 16 direct. Everybody say 16. Direct parallels. What is a parallel? A parallel is comparable. It means to consider or describe as similar Something identical or similar in essential respects, a match, a counterfeit, side by side, extending to the same direction. It also means having the same direction, the same course, the same nature, or the tendency corresponding similar. Okay? Now, if you look at Matthew 24, if you want to put it up, verse number 30, just put that up. 
I want to break down 16 points that the Apostle Paul and the Gospel writers all agree with. Are you all there? Number one is Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth. They all agree. Number two is Jesus Christ comes down up, and you can read that in the sides of the north, okay? And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall, come on, see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Go to the next verse just for time's sake, okay? And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather four winds from we just read that in Thessalonians. When he comes, he's going to gather. He's going to bring them all. And as a matter of fact, in 2 Thessalonians 2, that means the old covenant guys are coming in. We also can see all the believers and his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the end of the heaven. Now let me just go on. So Jesus Christ comes down from heaven. And then with the shout, we saw that over in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. He comes with power and great glory, accompanied by angels. And the archangel is the leader of the angels, okay, that we saw in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. And we saw a trumpet over here in Matthew 24. Are you getting it? This is a coincidence, church. This is the teaching that Jesus gave John, that he gave all the disciples and gave Paul on the backside of the desert. This is the same one Mark got a hold of and the same one that Luke got a hold of. As a matter of fact, Luke even brought it up. This same Jesus, which you saw go up, will come back in like manner. How many know that's in your Bible? And the dudes were sitting there looking at looking up to heaven, and the angel said to him, hey, why are you staring at going up into heaven? This, this same Jesus, which you see, is coming back the same way. It wasn't a secret coming. Come on. It wasn't just a secret thing. It was a, it was a visible catching up of the Son of God, and it's going to be a visible return of the Son of God. Good preaching. Thanks for your shouts. Number five, with the trumpet of God. Number six, gathered together, Matthew 24. Believers meet the Lord, Matthew 25. One to say, why do you think that they gave a whole parable about the five virgins that were ready and the five virgins that were asleep? Come on now. Why? Because he spoke about preparedness. He spoke about being ready. And so the writer over here speaks about believers joined together to meet the Lord. And, 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 and again, five were ready and five were not. So that tells me 50% of the church world is not even going to be ready when the Son of God comes back. Let, let me go a little bit further. Did, oh my. In the clouds. How many know we saw clouds? Come on, in the clouds, you see the same thing in Matthew 24, 30, we just read it, as well as in Acts 1, 9 to 11. Don't try to twist things to fit a certain eschatology, but just believe what the word says. And then he goes on and he says, unknown, no one knows the day or the hour. Okay, Matthew 24, we know the season, but we don't know the exact day. Seasons always mean change. And then number 10, the day of the Lord comes as the thief, okay? 
Guard your house is what he tells you in Matthew 24. He shares a whole illustration about being ready. It said if the good man knew that the thief was going to come, he'd be prepared. He'd be ready. Man, they must have been living in Texas or something. Okay. I remember one of the preachers, Kath and I were with one day. He says, I, I, I keep a loaded gun on my, on my pulpit all the time. And I said, well, I got a loaded gun, but it's not in the pulpit, amen? It's in here, all right. But anyway, he will come, listen, he will come when darkness is all around, when not expected, be ready and prepared, Matthew 24, okay? Then in number 13, judgment, tribulation comes quickly as a mother in travail, birth pain. Now go over to Matthew chapter 24 for a minute. And I'll read this here one with you. Let's go to Matthew 24. And let's start in verse number 3. I don't know how far I'm going to get today. Anybody learning anything? It's really quiet in here. Okay. Okay. But let's go to Matthew 24. I like it when I'm tired. Then the Holy Ghost can just say what he wants. Can you say Amen. All right. Okay, Matthew 24. Okay. And then, then, then this is what he said. Let me give you a couple more here. Warnings about deception. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I don't want you to be ignorant. Be not deceived. Remember, you heard me start off with that. And then number 15 is believers are to watch. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 25.48, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. And then number 16 is the warning against drunkenness. We read that just now over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. All right? It goes in parallel with Matthew 24, 49. So let me just get a hold of this here, and then I'm ready to start my message. Because this is just all the beginning here. You're going to be here to 3 this afternoon. No. Okay. 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 Now listen, it says in verse number 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives... The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? Come on. And the end of the world. Because when he comes, how many know it's the end of the world as we know? Why? Because the new Jerusalem, according to the book of Peter, comes down out of heaven. And, and just in case you don't know this here, uh, by the way, by the way, Isaiah 58 speaks about the church praying and fasting God. And then Isaiah 59 speaks about a corrupt culture, a corrupt society. And I mean, all you got to do is watch the news and see everything going on, not just in our nation, but all around the world. Nobody knows what's going on anymore because there's so much deception that's out there. And then Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But then, not before, when the darkness gets dark, then my glory shall be seen upon you. Come on. And then 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The glory now releases us into the anointing. 62 is a call to the watchman to stay in peace. 63 and 4 speaks of judgment and harvest. Judgment and harvest. At the same time, 65 is the new heavens. And 66 is the doctrine of eternal states where the fire doesn't stop. Come on now. And the worm dieth not. Where are we at today? We're rising. We're shining. Good preaching. Thanks for the shouts anyway. All right. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, What's the first thing that Jesus said? Come on, everybody, read it up here. Take heed. 
that no man deceive you. So what is the first warning that the Son of God gave us? Don't be, don't be deceived. Apparently, he knows what he's talking about. Apparently, the Holy Spirit was birthing something in this time of history that we're living in. Don't be deceived. Same thing when it says, be not ignorant. Matthew 24, 3 says, Jesus answered to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Matthew 24, 10, and then many shall be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. Matthew 24, 24, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders and deceive, if possible, even the elect. The theme that Jesus warned us was about deception in the context of last days. Are you there? I just wonder. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to that. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear. Come on, you shall hear what? What are we going to hear? And what else? And rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So when you hear of wars and rumors of war, Pastors Brian and Sherry shared about the Ezekiel 38 war that we believe is going to kick things into high gear. There's going to be seven years that they're going to clean everything up. It's going to be seven months just to get the bodies off the ground because they're going to be using germ and chemical warfare during that time. For nation shall rise against nation, okay? And kingdom, that's the ethnos group within the ethnos group, shall rise against kingdom. And there shall be, come on, what's going to be there? Come on, famines and what else? Pestilence, what else? And where? I'm preaching over in Nepal and an earthquake hits. Okay? We're seeing things happen in areas that they're not familiar with earthquakes, that earthquakes are hitting. And I don't have time to go on there, but everything the Son of God said, if you look at how many wars and how much fighting is going on right now all around the world, I mean, just look across the river over there and see the fighting that's going on in the White House. Haven't you read the Bible that said a house divided against a house? It cannot stand. Amen. Things ready to fall. It's ready to crumble. That's another message for another time. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Now, notice what he said. All these are the beginning of what? He's using a birth term. Every woman understands travail. Every woman understands. This is the beginning of birth. It's the beginning of travail. We just read that. It's not Brian's travail. It's, it's the beginning of birth tanks travail. Okay? And there's another then. Come on. Then immediately afterwards shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. And shall kill you and shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Let me, let me just state something now. There are more believers dying for their faith today than the early church. I want to just tell you, get your head out of the sand, church, and wake up to what's going on around our world today. Just go to Voice of the Martyrs and just look at the hot spots around the world, and it'll blow your circuits when you go and see how many nations are in red right now, zones where it's intense hatred towards Christians. 
And those are the spots that God's moving in an unparalleled way, amen? And then it says over there, and many false prophets shall run. Let me go up back one verse, 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Now here's something that I've been taught. Well, this is not Matthew 24 is speaking to the Jews. It's not speaking to the church, really. Well, if that's true, then just hang on a couple more verses. And it says, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And it says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, interesting, the word iniquity in the authorized version literally means lawlessness. And it means without law and without restraint. Okay? Amazing today, the extreme grace teaching says there's no more law. It says we're not under law. Well, we're not under law. But how many know the law of God is inscribed in our hearts? Whenever you deny, let me just state this, and I've stood up to leaders around the world. I said, whenever you deny moral law, you deny the existence of God in your life. Because he is a moral being, and everything is his kingdom is, is built on righteousness, which is morality. Come on now. And justice. Those are the stones that God builds his whole church on. So, so it says, because lawlessness without law, without restraint, shall abound the love. Hang on. The word love here is the agape love. Let me tell you, the unbelievers don't have it. The believers have agape love, and the Jews that are born again have agape love. And according to the Bible, we are one new man in Jesus. Can you say amen? Is God going to divorce the Jew and then just come back to the, and, and take the Gentiles home as we're taught? When it speaks about Jerusalem should be trodden down of the Gentile to the time of the Gentiles, fulfillment out there. Understand what that terminology means. We're shifting now into biblical eschatology today. We have one new man, Jew and Gentile, that's going to fulfill the Great Commission. Because hang on, don't, don't take verses, please, out of their content. Don't take them out of their setting. That will open up error. That will open up deception. I got to wind down. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Are you all there? Now, I said all that because I got to start. Then the end shall come. There is a strategy now, a global strategy. Kathy and I have been in these meetings and been with the top leaders around the world, Christian leaders. And there is a strategy now that in the next 10 years, the celebration of Pentecost 2033, we have a goal. We have a target. We're not putting dates on it. We're not putting hours on it. But we're putting all conservative efforts together to get the gospel to the 1.78 billion people that have never even heard about the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? And we believe that with the technology, with the financial support, and everything that's coming in today into the church world, that we can actually have every person have the witness of the Son of God, the born-again message, the Spirit-baptized message by Pentecost 2033, which is the 2,000-year 2000 celebration of the church.
How many can say amen? Now listen, I'll, there's so many more things, but Pastor Brian and I were sharing on this here that I want to go. What I, what I want you to do now is, is, is look at Matthew 24, look at Mark 3, and look at Luke 21, and you go home, read the whole chapter, and you'll see everything we taught from 1 Thessalonians 4 was also reiterated by three other gospel writers. And then in case not there, go to Acts 1, 2, not, uh, Acts 1, 2 to 11. And then after that, go to Revelations chapter 6, and you'll see it all. I, I, I need another hour to unpack Revelation 6, okay? And in and, and Revelation 6, you'll see the seals. We, we, we just saw the seals that are there. You see the Antichrist, the man of sin going forth to conquer. People say he's on a white horse, and that's Jesus. Forget about it. It's not Jesus in Revelation 6, 1. It's the Antichrist. Come on. And he's going, Jesus already conquered death, already conquered hell, already conquered the grave. Come on. And he's given that conquering spirit to you and I today. He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not overthrow it. Amen. So he's already done. And then you go right down the seven seals that are there and you'll see the deception. Number one, that's going to hit the earth. And then you'll see the wars. Come on now. And then you'll see the famines. Come on. And then you'll see the earthquake. And then you'll see the chloros, the, the pale horses, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then you'll see the persecution. And you'll see the blood of the martyrs crying out. Come on. This is all paraphrasing the seven seals and revelation. But then, for time's sake, and i got to wind down with this here. He goes in to chapter 7. Everybody say, chapter 7. And, and, and we saw something, the sealing of God that was taking place in chapter 7, which is absolutely incredible. And, and, and this is where I take up with a lot of people today, because they say, God's going to shift back to Judaism to fulfill the Great Commission. I believe that the two prophets, Eli, uh, whether it's going to be Moses and Elijah, I believe that's who it's going to be. But I don't need to argue about that. They're going to witness in Jerusalem for three and a half years. Come on. Yeah. All right. Thank God that's part of it. But here's the thing. We are one new man today. The mystery is that the Jew and the Gentile are one new man. God's not going to sever that new man. Because if he does go back to Judaism, then it would have to go back to the original 12 tribes. And the original 12 tribes, you had Reuben the firstborn, you had Benjamin the last. Come on. And in this here order, it's not the original 12 tribes. Understand, every one of the writers, John, Mark, Luke, they were all Jews when they wrote this here book. So you have to have an understanding of that. Okay? But it's a totally different order in Revelation 7 than we see in the Old Testament from Numbers and Exodus. It's totally different out there. And this is what I want to bring. I believe this here by the grace of God on my life is a revelation of all the biblical truths that God is going to restore to the church world, to empower the church world, to kick devil butt. Are you all ready? Okay, now, now, now listen, listen. Joseph was not mentioned in the old, but he's mentioned in the new. Ephraim and Manasseh were in the old, but they're not in the new. You said, well, Dan is not mentioned in the new. Excuse me, but he was in the old. And you say, well, it's because they apostatized. That's why he's not in there. Stupid reason why. Because they all apostatized. All 12 of the tribes are, read your Bible, man. Ignorance prevails in this area. The 10, the split, and the 2, they all went off track. But here's my closing remarks. The restoration is a picture of the church 
revive now. The first one now leading was not Reuben, but was Judah. And God brought the arts back to the church. God's restoring the tabernacle of David. 24-7 prayer and praise. Not celebration at different moments, but a celebrated life of the Son of God on the inside. Number two is Reuben. Reuben is over there. Behold the sun. Reuben means behold the sun. The focus is no longer on man. It's no longer on the fivefold. It's no longer on me or you. But the focus now is on the son of the living God. Number three, God. And it speaks the truth. It speaks about warfare. It speaks about militant prayer, militant aggression, militant authority, kingdom, uh, kingdom principles, and kingdom advancing. And then we have Asher, which speaks about the blessing of courageous acts that are going on in the earth. And then we have Naphtali. And Naphtali means about spiritual warfare, uh, about who the real enemy is. And then we have over there after that Manasseh causing to forget. In other words, God wants to heal us of our past personal pain and release us into the purpose and presence of the living God. Amen. But you can't do that if you're bitter. You can't do that if you're offended. You can't do that if you're stuck in the ruts of the old. And then we have Simeon. And, oh my gosh. Simeon speaks about hearkening, hearing the voice of God. And then we have Levi, which speaks about this company is joined. This company is unified. And then we have the Issachar, which speaks about God's reward is with us because of faithfulness. And then we have the Zebulon anointing upon there. Can you all say amen? We are God's, listen very carefully. We are in a dangerous place in the world, but the place that we have in God, there's none like it. And then, listen, the last one that we have over there is Joseph. God is adding to the church. God is multiplying the church. God is increasing his church. It starts off as the smallest of trees, but at the end, it's going to be the most influential in the world. And the last one that's over there is Benjamin. And you know what? There's been tons of teaching on the favor of God. And the last truth to be restored is the favor of God. And what's happening now is God's releasing his church into the world to purify themselves, to correct themselves, to get their... Uh, Get their heads renewed to what the word of God has to say. And understand, we're going to endure. We're going to persevere. We're going to kick devil butt. We're going to overcome. We're going to be bold in our witness of faith. We're going to be sharing our faith. We're going to be inviting people in to the faith with Jesus Christ. Come on now. And it's going to expand. And it's going to break out in no other way. Like no other time in all history. Because the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Not parts of the world, not some of the world, but the greatest thing we're going to see is the gospel preached in all the world, and then the end is going to come. Let's all stand to our feet. Father, as we close today, may we all take heed, may we all be watchful of our own personal journeys, of our own personal life, and not be concerned about what someone else said or what someone else did or what someone else is doing. But God, we want to be concerned about what's going on on the inside of our souls. And God, if we've been lulled to sleep into an apathy, into a complacency that entitles into a place of a Sunday morning experience for an hour and a half and not leave transformed, not leave going into the highways, into the byways and reaching the lost, reaching the disconnected, Reaching the backslider, reaching the one that doesn't know the ways of the Lord. 
Father, that's the gospel. The gospel is good news. It's hope. It's encouragement. And God, you said he that endures, he that perseveres, not halfway, not three-quarters way, not at the beginning, but he that endures to the end, the same shall be delivered. And the Bible says when you see these things begin to happen, he said, look up and know that your redemption draws near. Father, I thank you today that I actually have hope that I could be one and that every one of us here could be one of the individuals that has the privilege, Lord God, to suffer for Jesus so that we can reign with Jesus, to bring glory to Jesus, to bring honor to Jesus. And, and Father, that we have the opportunity possibly to be the generation that will usher in the Son of God, that will see the return of the Jesus Christ back to the earth. So we say Maranatha, come quickly Lord Jesus. But God, wash our hearts today. Wash our hands today. Wash our mindsets today that we could be watchful, that we could be equipped, that we could be prepared and we can move strategically to share our faith and to share our hope and to share the gospel with the least, with the lost and with the one that is last to bring honor to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Greet a couple next around you right now. Uh, and, and look forward to prayer tomorrow night. Bill and Rose and the team, come on up here for prayer, if you will. We're going to lay hands. If you need prayer or ministry today, don't leave this place without being ministered to. We have teams of people that care about you, that love you, and are here for you now. But have the best day of your life. Is this better? Okay, great. So, um, um, where am I at? Okay, it's February 26, 2023, and we just had our week two of the End Time series uh, by Pastor Rick Shimatero. So if you are just tuning in now and you just came on and saw my face, I really encourage you to take the little doohickey at the bottom and slide all the way to the left and watch from the very beginning. And then you can come back and talk to me because I guarantee you, you're gonna wanna hear the message that Pastor Rick had for us today. So before we get really uh, the ball rolling, we've got a really good friend of mine, uh, Marsha Mulder is gonna be joining us today. There you go, there you go. Do you like my little mic hiccup that I had? I did the same thing last week too, I don't know why. Okay, so um, I didn't say anything about service today because I wanted to talk with you about it first. Okay. But, oh, I love your glasses. Wow, are those new? I like them a lot. Sorry, okay. Okay, great. So let's talk about some of the points that stood out to you today. Wow. What were, so just, yeah. Well, you know what? End times is something that um, was always uh, exciting, but at the same time, a little bit fearful. Yeah. Especially if you didn't understand it, but I just love Pastor Rick's passion when he talks about end times yeah. and it's like, wow, all yeah. I know is I want to be ready. Yes. You know, cause like the song says, signs of the times yep. are everywhere. There's a yep. brand new feeling in the air, yep. but lift up your head because your redemption, like he said at draws the end, near. draws nigh. Yep. So 
I don't know. I know. There was a lot. And <laughs> I love a lot involved. I love, love when Pastor Rick, like I just told He's everybody. So He's yes. so, so passionate, but he knows that Bible. Like he knows the word, right? That's so right. he's not just gonna throw scriptures willy-nilly. He's not been like planning this message for a week. He knows this story. He mm -hmm. knows this message, right? And so when he's giving you scripture, know that he's got verses on verses on verses, right? <laughs> but I think it's important for us, even as a church, we've really been pre pressing in this year that we become people that are biblically literate. That's right. That we know we're not just picking verses exactly. here and here and here to like encourage ourselves, but like, where did that verse come from? Where does it look in like light of the story, right? So mm -hmm. I really encourage you. That was something that was really important to me today was that he said, okay, let's look at Matthew 24. Let's look at Revelations uh, Seven. Let's look at Acts. Let's look at Matthew. There you was know, a lot, lot involved. A so lot. Much. I tried taking notes, so but good. he goes so fast. He's it's like, so fast. Okay, let me just listen. I said <laughs> to him, I said, Hey, do you have notes for me? And he's like, Okay, I'm just gonna follow you, Pastor Rick. But I, I really let verse um, the one that says that the love of many will will wax cold. We talked about it last um, Sunday on the After Nine show, but that verse is so sobering for me yeah. that I, I, you know, I always have little moments where like, it, it's hard to remain, like have that heart of expectation, that heart of faith, that heart of excitement for the future. Sometimes it's difficult, like things happen, life mm -hmm, happens, disappointments mm -hmm. happen, but I never want to get to the point where I'm one of the people that are deceived. I'm one of the groupings that's grows wax cold. And I don't want that for our church either. Um, and even, sorry, I'm rambling, but even how he went into the uh, verse about many will become offended. Mm -hmm. I was like, really like that, that kind of stepped me back a little bit because we even see that in the church today. That's right. So many people are picking up offenses about the, maybe a little hopefully thing. not out of turn by saying <laughs> this, but it's true. Any little thing, yeah. you know, like it's, it's just, we, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens a lot and not just here, a lot of churches, but yeah, and that's my prayer too. God, don't yeah. let me be deceived. You know, help me to keep my eyes open to the, you know, to the word and to what he's saying to us because there's a lot happening right now. And I love how Pastor Rick paralleled it, you know, the Bible to the things that are happening today. You know, yeah. Christians being martyred, yeah. you know, the earthquakes and the, the famines. Yeah. And there's so many things that spoke about so many years ago yeah. and it's like he also talked about the five wise virgins oh yeah the uh, the, the five, five foolish. foolish yep yeah and so it pays for us to be ready to me yeah. that says be ready yeah at all times be ready yeah so like uh, when i was i was in bible school uh, i don't know years ago and um we did this like group activity it honestly it was probably not the healthiest thing to do mm -hmm. to a group of teenagers but it scarred me for life <laughs> but they literally <laughs> they sent us out in a field and they gave us each a cup of like um strike matches and they soaked five of ours in water and the other five wasn't so oh, wow. five of us like it's not like we had, we were just given it randomly yeah. but they were setting um, the stage for you <laughs> but it because basically they like we walked out to this like we were in the country we walked out to this like really far place mm -hmm. and we were just talking and like we didn't know what was going on and then they sat us down and then the truck um they're like okay someone's gonna come pick us up so like, okay so we had a campfire and all this stuff and then the person that came and picked us up said, I'm only gonna take the ones whose matches are lit. So, so you had to try the to five here. that didn't have the matches lit had to walk all the way back. But they talked before they did that. They read the verse about the Reality five verses. Huh? And honestly wow. though, it is so crucial, I think, even in this day and age, you know, like, um, the disciples believe that they were living in the last time, the right. end times too. Absolutely. Right. And so now we're, 
even closer. Like if you think about the timeline, but to always be ready. That's you know, right. There's That's the key. Be always, ready. Always. Be ready. You know, where's your heart with God? Are you consecrated to God? Is your is your life a living sacrifice to Him? Right? Are you reading your Word? Are you pressing in daily? Are you worshiping Him? And um, like I think it's it's just so crucial. Like we can't stress that enough. Um, but I, that story, the five five wise and the five foolish virgins, mm -hmm. stressful. Wow. Especially since like I'm such a planner, like I like to have everything organized and ready to go. That was a real reality check. Could you Suppose imagine? Suppose it was real. Yeah. Can you come closer to me? I'm sorry. We're losing you. There we go. You're losing me. Okay. <laughs> You're running away. <laughs> but yeah, put yourself in that perspective to think yeah. someone's coming because it was the br they're waiting for their bridegroom, right? Someone's coming to marry me, take me away. Mm -hmm. And then your oil is running low and low and low and low and you're not ready. And it just, oh. And I think that's key, be ready. I know years ago when we used to have revivals at our church, you know, it was almost like a fearful time because it was yeah. like, it seems like they used scare tactics, which maybe yeah. probably wasn't what they were trying to do, but that's the way we took it as kids. Yeah. And they used to sing this old song, oh, when the moon goes down and vanish away, oh. when the sun refuses to shine, yeah. and when every star in the elements disappear, yeah. Oh Lord, I want King Jesus to be mine. But when yeah. they sang that, it was like, wow, I'm scared. God, I want to be ready. I yeah. want to be ready. But you know what? Whatever it takes, Excellent. I want to yeah. be ready. Absolutely. I want to be ready when he comes. I don't yeah. want to be caught out there and my match is wet. Yeah. Honestly, very traumatizing <laughs> yeah. for a teenager. But it, I will never forget it. And I'll never forget the feeling. And uh, so I, I just, I, and I encourage you, like I, I had a talk with my kids before the service and I mm -hmm. said, when I was younger, this kind of stuff used to give me nightmares. Like yeah, you, you can it could be really scary. It could be really scary, but you know, you have to think about um, situations in the Bible where God promises the best for his people and how he says, even look at Stephen, the martyr, how he just, it seemed that his face was peaceful mm -hmm, and he just mm -hmm. fell asleep, right? So whatever happens in the future, I just have to trust that mentally i can't i can't comprehend can't figure it out i can't no. know no. and that's where faith comes in and that's where trusting in god comes in but i know that i'm his i'm his girl you're his child he's not and gonna he's not gonna let me draws nigh when yeah. these things happen we have to know that god is coming back for a church yeah without a spot or a wrinkle yeah. and that's why it pays for us to have our hearts prepared yeah and our hearts in right standing with him yes right it's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle Amen. right it's really it is really so exciting. It is exciting it, it is. is exciting but if this is something that causes you fear and anxiety and all these things i encourage you i've said this so many times reach out to us mm -hmm. reach out to somebody you know we'll pray for you we'll talk with you we'll give you um it's such points an exciting and notes time. And, it's an yeah. exciting time yeah it really is yeah but read your bible that'll give you the faith and That's the excitement right. for what's to come but uh yeah you know what i we don't have anything to fear that's God right. is with us in all things, right? I did have one more thing I wanted to say, but I can't, what was that? can't seem to remember at the moment. But, shoot, I always do this. Does he have something to say? Pastor Howie? Larry, can I ask Pastor Howie for a little... Come on in. We already said your name. Hurry. He rolled his eyes at me. <laughs> he can grab the yellow mic. He, he loves Tell revelations. Tell him to grab that microphone. Grab that one. I had, well, I had something I was going to say, but I forgot she it. She forgot her So point. your wife, your wife directed the camera towards you. So what? just give us one more, like, what was one Nuggets. thing that stood out to you today about revelations? A, a revelation? Yes. About what Pastor Rick said today. Anything? The Jesus is coming back. Yeah. How's that? That's good. That's good. He's coming back. No, actually he is. And I like when he was talking about uh, Thessalonians. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Yeah. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the, the Lord, Lord in the air. So if somebody dies before you, don't worry about it. You're not going to stop them because they'll go before us. Yeah. But we're all going to join together one day in the clouds. Yeah. Hallelujah. I remember what yes. I was going to say, how he was talking about how it would be a complete community, how everyone's going to be there together. Right. Said mm -hmm. The Jeremiah's and the Luke's Everybody. and the he Abraham's. He looked out and he saw a number which no man can number from every nation, kindred, and tongue. Yeah. And they're all right there before the great throne judgment, before that judgment seat of God. <laughs> boy, oh boy, that's going to be someday. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> it sure well, is. This is awesome. Thanks for joining us. I love it when I love it when you guys are on because I feel like I can usually get both of you on the same day. Yeah, well, you see. You got him next week. I'm going. <laughs> and I'm then going, you too. I'm going back. And you better be here with me. I had to come okay, to yeah. you. Okay, I got you back. I'm going to go sit back now. All right, Pastor Howie. All right. I got you we love you. Love you too. We got to get Pastor Howie and Pastor Rick to do a message together one day. <laughs> that would be the day. That would be great. Okay, well, uh, I think that's all we have for today. But um, again, encourage you, do not be fearful that's of right. anything. Do not be afraid of the future. And I just, I, I always like to say, like, I'm someone that enjoys control. And I like to know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I just know that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, oh, and a sound yeah, mind. Man. How many times I quote that scripture? How many like, times, right? Yes, amen. And trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because we are humans and our understanding is flawed. Just so you know, if you didn't know that. <laughs> a human mind is flawed, but um, we can't understand the things that are to come fully until we have that that uh, grace to be there because it says that God does not give us grace for today or wait, no, he gives us grace for today for tomorrow has enough troubles of its own, right? <laughs> there you go. This is all scripture I'm quoting just terribly. <laughs> so um, do you have anything to say in closing? Well, even if you don't understand it, the key is to be ready. Yes. You know, don't worry about it. Don't fret over it. Just be ready. Make sure your heart is right before him and you have nothing to worry about. Amen. Amen. Yes. Well, God bless. thank you, Pastor Rick. We loved having you on. Yes. We love having you on, Marsha. You're the best. Yeah, you and Pastor Howie, thanks for uh, getting him <laughs> in here. But um, we hope you have the best Sunday of your lives. Amen. We will see you tomorrow at 630 at the Lighthouse on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. Or if you want to join live to somebody we have uh, Lighthouse is all over Windsor, mm -hmm. Essex, LaSalle, Harrow. Let us know. We'll get you connected. So info at I9 Church or DM us or anything. Anyways, we hope you have the best Sunday of your life and we will see you tomorrow at the Enjoy Lighthouse. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yes. God bless.